Welcome to Chevron's Lock, a Stargate podcast. I am Chelsea. I'm Jess. And I'm Melanie. This episode we will be talking about The Knox, which is season one, episode... What are we on? Episode... Eight. 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 Uh, it was written by Hart Hansen, who others might recognize as the guy who went on to create uh, Bones. So I... But this is his only SG-1 episode, but I thought it was kind of cool. I liked Bones. It was directed by Charles Carell, who also did 1969. Those are his two episodes. It aired on the 12th of September, 1997. Uh, This one is notable that it got nominated for an Emmy for Outstanding Music Composition for a Series for Joel Goldsmith, who did the composition for this episode. Which I have to say I agree with. I'll bring it up when we when we get to it. But I really like I really like the score in this episode. Why why are you laughing? Me? I'm not. Oh, I thought you were laughing. It did kind of look like you were restraining a laugh. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Well, all right. So Mel, what do you got for us synopsis wise? Uh, This is from the wiki, and it goes. After increased pressure to acquire advanced technology from their missions, SG-1 travels to a planet, Gaia, in order to capture a creature apparently capable of rendering itself invisible. When Apophis and his guards find them, they are killed, but then miraculously resurrected by the Nox, an advanced race who will not meddle with any of their immediate affairs, especially capturing Apophis. All right. That sounds legit. Yeah. All right. Any other broad episode notes before we dive in? Nope. Other than I love this episode and I'm also a healthy amount of wine in and I just apologize now. (laughs) 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 All right. Duly born. This episode starts with the cold open, which is in the control room. Or no, is it in the... They start in the control room. Mm-hmm. They do, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. In, uh, and they're talking to the Secretary of De- Defense, David Swift, who is checking out the place. They're showing him how cool it is to open the Stargate and stuff, and all expecting him to be impressed. And turns out he is not super impressed. Nope. And I love that Sam's defense of the the program. Her first thing is that they visited nineteen separate worlds, like. It's cool. First of all, I love that we actually have a number. Like, <laughs> yeah. they gave us a number here. They're so nonspecific with, like, what's happening while we're not watching. But also, like, I think, I actually, honestly, I kind of think the Secretary of Defense has a point here in terms yeah. of they really don't have much to show for what they've been doing other than a couple of times Earth almost got, like, destroyed or infected or otherwise horrendously affected by what they're doing i do have a clip of him if we want to if not i mean he's kind of a wing come a wing yeah <laughs> i mean no but... <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know that was like a weird thing to say it is <laughs> i haven't heard that in so long a wing okay he is a wing i can't argue that <laughs> But he does make a good point, though. And I mean, you know, have we brought anything back that can help us against the Gould? No. Nope. So, I mean, why are we spending millions of dollars? I assume, I don't know if it's billions yet, but millions of dollars into this program if we're not getting in what we, if we're not getting out what we put into it. Right. I also feel like, with the exception of 
like back in Emancipation when Hammond was like, or when the crew was like, uh, you know, the crew SG one was like, you know, we have, um, there's me- medicine here that we could take back. We don't really have, this is the first time that we've gotten a really clear directive from someone who's an obviously a position of power. That's like, Hey, so your whole point of this operation is that you're supposed to be bringing back technology, not just to fight the go old, but to benefit earth here as well and advance our technologies which i i appreciate because it kind of gives at least some structure to the whole show because otherwise it's just episode after episode of just random planet and missions versus like there's a reason we're going Mm -hmm. besides just looking for apophis and share and scara yep yep absolutely and and so um i do though love that jack's response to that is that he, what he says that in his experience cultures with advanced technology tend not to want to share it because that's nope. also whether they're your allies or not like people just want to give you their advanced technology like on earth nope that's not going to happen right I mean they might sell it to you but like what are you going to give to the aliens in return which I guess does come up sometimes later I, I, I do also like how immediately uh, I don't what is the secretary of defense's name David Swift Swift yeah all right, so I like how Swift was kind of, he, he interpreted it, what Jack said, in his own way. And then he, Jack immediately looks to Sam and is like, hey, will you explain <laughs> what I'm talking about? <laughs> Translate, please. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Which is just the first of many instances in which Jack will rely upon one Samantha Carter to assist with communication. Yeah. So it's interesting there's this back and forth and it's basically seeming like, okay, we're maybe not going to be able to go through it anymore. And at this point, suddenly Teok is like, what kind of technology do you need? <laughs> Dude, Teok is the biggest writing crutch that the writers have. Yeah. Anytime they're, they're like, shit, how can we get knowledge from world building to SG-1? Teal'c has experience with this race. He'll know. Oh, SG-1 needs a certain kind of technology and needs to visit a very specific kind of planet that may have some kind of, like, military application. Teal'c knows. (laughs) Like, thank God Teal'c is there. Well, and honestly, you think after the first couple times of this happening, like, the first couple times it happens honestly makes sense. He could still be sussing these people out. He doesn't know how much information to give them, what information is actually going to be useful. He doesn't want to give them information that they're going to chase down and waste time on. So, like, I get it that he's not just, like, spilling all of this information on them. But you'd think that, like, after a time or two of this happening, they'd sit down with him and be like, okay, Teal, (laughs) what are all the planets you know of that have advanced technology? (laughs) Or maybe this is, like, honestly the first time they've come face-to-face with a more clear directive where it's, like, Maybe they just thought that they were getting away with it almost. Like they would get to just be like Lewis and Clark, like explorers. Uh-huh. And now, now finally there's some sort of like upper level person being like, no, you got to start producing tangible results. Yeah. I actually, I have the clip. I'm just going to, I don't remember how much of this clip I have. Mr. Secretary, it's been my observation that whether it's here on earth or out there, Cultures with advanced technology tend not to like to share it. So, we're wasting our time. Would you interpret what I just said? Colonel. Sir, with respect, this program is quite probably humanity's most important endeavor. I said the same thing about the Apollo program. They brought back moon rocks. You may have noticed we haven't been to the moon in 25 years. What kind of comparison is that? 
Colonel, if one of those ghoul ships were coming here right now, have you brought back one thing we can fight them off with? What technologies do you seek? <laughs> so, first off, Swift kind of insults Sam like with like a two, like a like a one two, because at first he's like, you know, it's you know, is is this really like important? Do we really need to be doing this? And then she's like, this is like what like the most important thing that we're doing right now. And he said, that's what we said about Apollo. And I'm pretty sure Sam wanted to kind of possibly be an astronaut. <laughs> so I mean, you know, that little one two. <laughs> Yeah. Punch. I mean, but yeah. again, he's also not wrong. There's a reason we haven't got back to the moon. Like, it doesn't benefit us anything, which I don't agree with. Like, ideologically, I think exploration for exploration's sake is is worth it. Right. And I think SG one should just exist for exploration. I mean, and I honest, and I agree with Daniel's general long term character that getting to know other cultures is valuable. Right. Like discovering and interacting with and learning about alien cultures <laughs> yes Chelsea, i would agree with you that yes i would daniel's ideology about going to meet new people on different planets and learning about how they exist and their religions and you know just how they live in general is pretty important but yeah but i can understand yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm just kidding yes it's very important <laughs> She's really not. <laughs> I'm kind of. Yeah, so Teal'c then shares about this place that has an invisible creature that he had been sent to retrieve and failed. And then two of his soldiers got killed for his failure. And so then they decide they're going to go to this planet where there's an invisible creature so they can maybe learn about how to be invisible. Mm-hmm. And so they go, through, they go to the planet and... It's time out. What? Uh, yeah. Yep. Okay. What no, no, you're not skipping. Yeah. I just want to stop you before you go any further because they get to the planet, mm-hmm. and I just want it to be known that the first name that when Jack O'Neill calls out is Carter. And I find that to be an important detail that we don't gloss over <laughs> because out of the three, someone's got to be called out first. Now, I'm not saying <laughs> it's necessarily the most important person because there are times. When Jack comes through the gate and it's not Carter's name that gets called out first. But in this instance, it was. It's in my notes and it's important that we don't gloss over it. <laughs> Is it possible that he called her out first because she's the second in command? <laughs> sure, sure. I'm not saying it's not. There could be a multitude of possibilities. I'm just pointing out of the three names to call first, Carter was number one. Carry on. They arrive at the planet. Go well, hang on, hang on. Though I'm curious, real quick. I'm hopping back just a little bit farther, or a little back a little bit. Um, so mm-hmm. their their plan is to go and capture this invisible creature, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So how do they plan on using? Like they're gonna get one and bring it back. What? How are we gonna make ourselves invisible? I don't understand. Well, they bring t- trank darts, so I think the idea is to bring it back alive and to investigate its physiology and see if there's anything they can glean from it. I mean, in the same okay. way that we, like, have learned many technological and medical advances by looking at the physiology of creatures on our planet. Oh, and bio, bioluminescence and mm-hmm. so forth. And, and like, spider silk and yeah, that kind of stuff. Cool. Didn't know any of that existed, but great. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's no guarantee that they would be able to 
make use of it or replicate it. Uh, but it is something. And even if even if they weren't able to replicate it, I still think it'd be something to show to Washington to be like, hey, we're finding stuff. It's just a matter of time until we find something that we can actually replicate. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they come through. This- also, sorry. It seems like a pretty like lofty. It's not Sam and Jack related, so it's cool. This seems like a very lofty jump from like, we don't have any technology to invisibility like <laughs> we can maybe like have like baby stepped our way up there instead we're just like jumping full force into no we're definitely gonna get like invisible creatures through the stargate my question cool. is they as far as i know they haven't really been trying to reverse engineer teal's staff nope <laughs> like, right there guys it's right there <laughs> There's like an inexhaustible source of energy, powerful energy, but no, 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 just that's fine. I mean, they no use it test. eventually, but then it's like we never really revisit. Oh, hey, could we make our own energy weapons? Nah. Okay, so the they come through the Stargate, and they weren't. It, it, I got the feeling that they usually kind of stay right there, but everyone else had run off because they thought they'd spotted one of the Fenries, and so then by the time they kind of assemble they decide to go do a search they turn around and the gate is gone (laughs) which i kind of liked a lot like that was like as in terms of like not like an inciting incident but like as like kind of the kickoff to really what this episode gets going it's kind of badass the stargate seems to be pretty untouchable like it's always been associated with like gods and whatever and all of a sudden it's like nope gone yeah and all of their gear as well. And, I was going yeah. to say, and yeah. all their supplies are <laughs> yeah. gone. Including the device that they would have normally put on the Stargate in order to find it again after their explorations on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes me laugh. And also makes me think of the episode of Monk where there's power outages and Monk gets night vision goggles. And then there's another power outage and he can't find the night vision goggles. <laughs> And he's like, there's a fatal flaw with the night vision goggle plan. (laughs) I have not seen Monk, but that was an enjoyable uh, recreation of that scene. Thank you, Chelsea. (laughs) Yeah. Once again, Sam and Daniel are the only ones wearing helmets (laughs) in this episode. We have to be so close to that thing again, though. It has to be close. They've already been... (laughs) There's already been like one episode where they weren't so because in the on the in first commandment, they she was wearing a hat and he was wearing a bandana. Okay. I assume so because of the hotness. we're slowly getting there. Yeah. We're slowly yes. getting away from the helmet. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Although to be fair, it's not visually appealing for anybody, and I understand how it's clunky, but it does make a lot of sense. Yes. Like they- tactically <laughs> and like like in a real quote real life scenario, it makes perfect sense for a TV perspective. It's like. Take off that. Yeah. No, and it's and it's funny because it, there you you can't win in television for this because when you're watching TV and it's like everyone's going in in like a SWAT situation and all of the extras are wearing helmets and then the lead right. isn't and it's like why aren't they wearing no. a helmet? It's like well because they're your lead and you need to see their face. It's like yes, in real life they would also be wearing a helmet, but if we put a helmet on them, then you can't see their face. So. And of course, we don't need to see the extras' faces. Like, no. yeah. So it's it's one of those things where like you lose if they wear the helmet, you lose if they don't wear the helmet, because then it's not realistic. But right, I prefer to be able to see their faces better. Me too. So they start a box search. They spread out. They separate 
into who it was Daniel and Jack and Teal and Sam to go mm-hmm. look for the Fenry slash the gate. I, I think they were supposed to be looking for the gate, but they Daniel spots the Fenry hovering like a hummingbird with teeth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they're watching it and Jack's getting ready to shoot it with the tranquilizer dart and Daniel makes the I think very astute and classic comment of like, um, I hope when it's drank that it stops being invisible because otherwise we're never going to find it. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fair point. Although I guess there would be like a drink dart floating in midair. Well, no, because I would assume it would fall to the ground. Like the drink dart wouldn't stick into it? Well, I don't know how deep it is. It's like tall grass. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I I mean, it would be be hard to find. I mean, you might find like tree branches that have been knocked down where it came down or whatever. Yeah, and it would just be easier if it was visible yeah yeah exactly uh so they're watching it and a staff weapon scares it off and jack kind of yells at teal and it's like it wasn't me and it's like oh shit because <laughs> mm-hmm. that means apophis is here yeah that doesn't necessarily mean apophis is well, there then they see it does in this very shortly after that <laughs> see <laughs> told you <laughs> Yeah, they see him, like, r- r- pretty much right after Teal reveals it wasn't him, Daniel and Jack see him. And I am, like, so glad they brought back Apophis in this episode, just because I feel like they've been allegedly chasing Apophis for the last, essentially, six episodes, really. And it's a nice reminder that, like, there's a kind of side mission in some ways. Like, don't forget that we want to find Apophis to find Skara to find Chare. Mm-hmm. So I'm really glad they like reminded us at least this at this point in the series that he's still out there. Yeah. And not only is it, it's not just about Skara and Chare, it's also about the fact that he's like their biggest threat right now because we right. pissed him off and, and we right. don't know if he might be, he failed at sending things through the gate. So we assume that there's a chance he's going to be coming the old fashioned way. At some point, <laughs> coming the old fashioned way. He... Oh my god, you child! There was there was a phrasing problem there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to acknowledge it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't even remember what I was saying. <laughs> Chelsea said it. <laughs> I I should know better after being married to my husband for 12 years. I mean, really. Mm-hmm. You were saying, I don't know, we were talking about Apophis. Oh, do we even know that he knows where Earth is? Yes, because they he was sending shit through the Stargate to their address. Yeah, he has but you mean address. like in You mean like in the galaxy? Yes, I mean like, because she said getting to Earth in the old-fashioned fash- old way. You mean coming to Earth in the old-fashioned <laughs> way? Is that what you meant to say? <laughs> I'm sorry. Carry on. <laughs> Um, that's so my question. question. Yeah, but so the, I mean, a gate address can... is a location. Yeah, it's like a coordinate. I, but he didn't. So what? Why didn't he just come in? I guess think he doesn't know. He is coming. He... No, 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 no. But like he, he... not yet though. Guys, <laughs> <Yeah>, phrasing, <laughs> please. Oh, come on. You say, "Oh, come on." Is that what you said? <laughs> I need um, a synonym. Or come. <laughs> <laughs> Orgasm, climax. Uh... <laughs> oh, 
I'm abusing myself. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, I don't really know why Apophis didn't like attack necessarily. I can only assume he he thought that he had taken care of business by sending all the weapons and shit through the Stargate. Maybe I don't know. Well, I think or he doesn't know what's waiting for him. I think that could be part, that could be part of it. But no, when we, at the end of this season is them like interrupting him putting together all yeah. of his armies to come. Oh, right. And 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 Teal specifically says that it's supposed to take months or years Time. for them to get there, and they have new advanced tech that Teal didn't know about. So I think we can assume that this whole season, Apophis is assembling his armies. And d- figuring out the tech to get to Earth faster. Hmm. Okay. I guess, okay. I guess that could make sense. Once he realizes but... that they're not all dead. Because I do think that he thought he killed them all with his weapons. And then he sees them here again and is like, oh shit, that didn't work. And then he starts assembling his armies and his ships and figuring out how to get to Earth the fastest. Also, like, what were the odds that both SG-1 and Apophis were on the same planet in the same <laughs> galaxy? Astronomical. Looking astronomical. The exact same fucking technology. <laughs> so At the funny. exact same time in the exact same yes. area on that planet? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, astronomical. It seems, yeah. it seems like a slight chance. What, what? Yeah. I need, I need Carter to run the numbers for us. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we see Apophis, uh, and I believe the words from Daniel's mouth are, forget the mission, because he wants to go after Apophis uh, in the hopes of gaining information and intel about Shari. Mm-hmm. It was actually, forget our mission, but forget that's our okay. Mission. Thank you. Or forget Thank you. me. You're welcome. Yeah. I specifically wrote that down. <laughs> <laughs> Which I find co- very understandable, but very frustrating. Uh, yeah, it's, it's an emotional response. It's, oh, totally. It's an emotional response, and again, it is the whole reason he's here. Like, this right. is why he decided to join SG One. I think he has also decided he really enjoys exploring planets and doing what they do. But the reason that he joined SG One was because he wants to find Apophis and and find Share. So I think it's it's true to his character, and honestly, like. It is part of what they're doing. They're supposed to be looking for Apophis and gathering intel on him and the gold and what they're up against. So, But they didn't have the resources to go up right. against him. And I feel it, like Jack like, kind of just like... I don't want to say, I, I don't wanna say he got, that, that he was a pushover on that situation. I realized that he asked Tilk and Tilk said, hey, it's cool because if we surprise attack him, it'll be fine. But... You don't have you don't have guns. You're going in there with trank darts. You have a select amount of trank darts because you lost the gate and your whatever mm-hmm. that thing is. And so it just seems like a risky decision to be making going in half cocked. And I feel I like Jack would, you know It's not the best tactical decision. Thank you. Okay. So I'm gonna argue that it is the best tactical decision. And here's why. They don't know where the gate is. They don't know how to find the gate. Teal'c says Apophis will have the homing device to find the gate on him. Otherwise, they're trapped on a planet with Apophis. Wouldn't you rather set a way to take the fight to him before you just stumble into him while you're on this planet? Or do you just, like, hunker down and hope he doesn't stumble across you and then try and follow him back to the gate? Like, there's also the tactical situation of they don't know how to find the gate and 
Apophis will be able to find the gate. I would counter that with it's a bad decision because um, they all die. <laughs> it's because there was intel they didn't have, which is that yeah. Apophis had a personal shield that they didn't know about. And yet still dead. <laughs> but I see your point. They had I mean, they, they needed to do it if for nothing else than they thought it was their best shot. Yeah. Otherwise, they're just stuck on a planet with Apophis. And like, right. it's a bad situation. But you have a different, but I mean, you can be stuck on a planet with Apophis, but you could also be kind of searching for whatever that thing, the, what is it called? The Fertiti. The Fenry. The Fenry. Fenry. He's looking for the Fenry too, though. So if you You keep looking for it, you're going to bump into him. (laughs) You could look for the race on the planet. They didn't know there was a race on the planet. You they just thought, it, they thought it was the Fenry. Yeah. Before we move on, because I know there's more to talk about, I really like that Jack checked in with Teal'c, not just from like a tactical standpoint, but it felt like from like an emotional standpoint yeah, too, which it looks like Chelsea has a clip. I do. Teal'c, this character used to be a god to you. You're sure you're okay with this? I am okay. Okay? Yeah. I love that. I love that he just checked in. Like, Tilk's got a little extra baggage with this. Mm-hmm. And he's just making sure his team is mentally and physically ready. Yep. I just want to say that Carter thought it was a bad idea. Okay. Yes. Now, now we she can, did. like... <laughs> she did. That's important to note. Yeah, uh, but I, I've got... <laughs> I've got things to say for Carter here in a minute, though. I... Excuse me. This hang thing... On. No, 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 no. Hey? This is... Wait, hang on. Go ahead. I I I wrote down uh, after the, the the talk with Teal'c that Jack folded like a cheap lawn chair, and Sam immediately is like, "Bad idea." <laughs> I don't think I don't think Jack folded. He like he consulted Teal'c, and Teal'c, the thing is, Teal'c doesn't blow smoke. He's he asks him pretty closely, like, "Can we pull this off? What kind of guard is he going to have? It was going to be even numbers. That's better odds than they're ever going to see against." Apophis. When else are they going to have Apophis out in the open with only three personal guards? And they and he doesn't know they're there. They have the element of surprise. Like, Teal'c made good points. It wasn't like he didn't have any good reason for... I, and, no, and, 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 and I agree. I, I, I agree with you and what, what, and what, what Teal'c said and how Jack decided to make his decision. But the execution of the plan seemed to work, except everyone decided to shoot like stormtroopers like immediately sam forgot how to shoot again yeah <laughs> like yep. and daniel's just like shooting randomly at things well they only had a and pistol Pil- and they're all armored I'm just i don't saying. know I, I i see what you're saying Charles. i also just feel like at the end of the day a better tactical decision could have been made they made it so quickly it felt like they literally saw apophis and were like yeah let's go after them mm-hmm. but i understand like from like a uh from like a entertainment and tv show perspective it would have been really boring to spend five extra minutes showing them like away from the site retracking them with a better plan but it it feels like it maybe we're giving jack too much credit i don't know but it just felt like maybe the decision was rushed yeah i mean probably it was i think that it probably would have worked if apophis hadn't had a personal shield that they didn't know about Oh, well, I mean, of course it would have worked because Jack would have shot him and it would have been fine. But, yeah. but I mean, you know, then we have to have that whole, but then know. Jack, but then they all start, you know, dying. Yeah. So what I have to say <laughs> here is we have example number one of Samantha Carter absolutely breaking cover because Jack got hurt. 
Just like that's so true. Sam, I love you, and I know that you care about Jack, but you gotta stop doing that. <laughs> this will come up again later, multiple times. Yeah, you're right. She like immediately like stood up like, and then got shot. Got shot. <laughs> yeah. Look, if you're gonna go out, go out at the same time. Your bae goes out. That's all I'm saying. Don't live without each other. It just the terrible. Terrible message. It is a terrible message. <laughs> it's a terrible message. Uh, yeah, so we'll revisit that, but this is example number one of that situation. Yeah. Oh, I also noted uh, this is the most team-like I feel like they've been all season. Like, they're checking in with each checking in with each other. They're kind of playing to each other's strengths and, like, uh, intel-based. Like, they are just working together really well. I mean, they all do die, but they're working together. <laughs> no, hang on. Whoa. Tilk didn't die. Okay. Tilk didn't, Tilk die. didn't die. Yeah. So I, I've i I've started a tally at the back of my book, keeping track oh, me too. of deaths for everybody. <laughs> so this is this is me one too. for Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> I also have a death count for each of the SG teams. Uh-huh. Oh, I don't have that one. I just have our characters, so. Yeah. So th- this is one for Jack and Sam and Daniel of being actual and, dead, actually dead, not just presumed dead. And then and then I have episodes that all happen off world because we like to bring those up. Yes. So I've been writing those down as well. Guys, y'all are so organized. All right. So after the three humans get dead, Teal'c is facing off with, with Apophis by himself. And we get the first instance of this word. Teal'c. I love the way he says it. It's so like, you don't even need to know what it means. You know it's bad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You a traitor ass. Yep. (laughs) And then we get Teal'c's response. Tao Shaka Mel. I die free. Which he will say multiple times. He will say multiple times. Also, he would fit in in New Hampshire. Right? That's the, st- the state that has the live free or die as their motto. That's all you, buddy. History, yes. <laughs> history is not, not, my, my, not, not me. Of course. Oh, yeah. New Hampshire. <laughs> what? <laughs> We're all like, yeah, no, I have no idea. I'm just going to fact check myself real quick. I just know Texas is, is the little trash state. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's all I got. And come is, and get it. It is the <laughs> official model of. New Hampshire, adopted from a toast written by General John Stark. New Hampshire's most famous soldier of the American Revolutionary War. Dude, did you know our state motto... Sorry. Did you know our state motto is friendship? (laughs) What? (laughs) That's it. Friendship. The state motto. (laughs) Texas, come on. (laughs) I thought it was come and get it. It should be come and take is what it should be. That's what I meant. Yeah, that I, sounds way better. Come and take I, it sounds way better. My Texas history is a little rusty. Because we're talking about coming to get the cannon, so... Yeah. <laughs> Come get it if you want it. It's a historic slogan, but not our state slogan. I could have sworn it was. No, is that friendship. Hang on, wait, wait, is that from the Battle of Goliad? It is... Gonzalez. Dang it. Okay. Very close, though. I had a G. Very, very close. All right, sorry, back to... Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is not relevant. <laughs> says you I actually. started it I, I, I'm not upset 
We were going to tie in the Battle of Gonzalez back into Stargate, but that's a podcast for another episode. <laughs> All right, so then uh, it cuts to Daniel waking up in a strange place with a hole in his shirt, but no hole in him. I know, phrasing. No, I'm, I'm, I have thoughts. Uh-huh. No, I'm just waiting for you to get to... Yeah, okay, so Daniel, Daniel wakes Sam up, and I love it because he's, like, poking at her skin. She wakes up, she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and, and then they do the same thing to Jack. Then Sam goes and... No, 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 no. <laughs> No, 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 no. Pause. Time out before we move forward. They don't do the same thing to Jack. What happens here is that Sam touches Jack's back through the fabric hole on his back. There's some skin stroking for sure. Now, I'm not saying it's sexual. I'm just saying there's skin on skin contact and it's worthy of noting. Yeah. Yes, that's what happens. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Melanie. Oh, you're good. I was going to say if you had any thoughts on the Sam touching Jack's back. Because I texted Melanie while I was watching. And I was just like, she touched him! She touched him! That's, it was in all caps. That's about how that went down. (laughs) It's funny because I've been looking at my texts to you guys. And I didn't have that many for the first several episodes. But I might might quote some of my texts for some of the later ones. You do. (laughs) Yeah, so they, the three of them are awake. And, but I love that, so this is, this is Jack's response to being awakened at this moment. Wasn't I just... Killed. Killed as in... Dead. Dead. Yeah, we know, we saw it happen. Same thing happened to us. Oh. This is a surprise then. (laughs) Killed as in dead. (laughs) Finish each other's sentences. Look, you said it. I know. I was. I said it. Yeah, she did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, and then they note that they don't have their weapons, which is not an ideal situation. Mm-mm. And so they leave. They leave the whatever little house the they're in. Yeah. And we get our very first encounter with the Knox. And this is where so I noted that I like really like the score of this episode and I think that they earned the Emmy nomination here. So I pulled a little bit of the theme for the Knox. I love the Nox theme. It's nice. I feel like it does a good job of kind of setting the stage for who these creatures are and like what they stand for and what their ways are. I just want to say, so uh, one of my cats, her name is Nox, uh, partly named for the Nox. And when you started playing that, both of my cats who are sitting behind me right now stood up and had their little ears (laughs) perked up. They could hear the music through my headphones. I think she could sense her namesake calling to her. <laughs> that's her That's her theme song. Yes. And then, so we get, yeah, our first encounter with the Knox. They don't seem to speak English. Mm-mm. And we get the adorable exchange. Yes. Which, yes, yes, yes. Which I pulled because it's adorable. I'm afraid you. I'm afraid you. 
Carter. Carter. No, you can't keep him. <laughs> it's so cute. So many things I love about that little action or interaction. First of all, this kid like immediately falling in love with Carter. Hashtag relatable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also like that Jack's quickness of like, no, you can't keep them is like how many people have has Carter tried to either adopt or like bring home like little cuddly creatures back through the Stargate. Uh, and I just love like I love the way that he's the, the the kid is the first one to come over and he introduces himself and how enamored Carter is, but then the way that he says her name and the like Hi. smitten look, <laughs> and then her, Same. and then her face in response is just it's so sweet. I just it's it's lovely to see them and those more sweet kind of intimate moments like being humans. I also love that like we get a lot of even though we get a lot of Jack and kids I love when we get Sam and kids like later when we get her with Cassie and then with uh what's her face from the weird learning planet whose name has forgotten me uh Uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well done uh I love when Carter's talking to kids it's just I don't know why but I like the energy that's anytime that happens yeah also sorry just while we're here um, I love the costuming of the Knox. Yes, I do too. It is so cool and so on point. And just with like kind of the costuming clues, you get an idea of like who these people are, what they're kind of about, like what their deal is. Like not fully, but a decent amount. And I just like want to go party with the Knox and like go live in a forest and put flowers and leaves in my hair and be one with nature. Like I just, I thought the costuming was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. Then we get, and this is something that they do a lot because we've, I feel like we've noted it in the last couple of episodes. We just get like a quick cut to like Apophis being grumpy. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, he's still here. <laughs> and then it just cuts back. Like that's, it's just like a shot of yeah. him being like, err. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget big bads hanging out in the forest over here. <laughs> yep. And then we go right back and the knocks are feeding SG1, and they have learned English, which... Yes, which is amazing. Hella impressive. English is not easy to learn. Learning any language in about uh, five minutes is pretty (laughs) incredible. I know, and they're like, it took us a while to learn your language. And Carter's like, not that long. (laughs) (laughs) She's thinking back to the years and years of whatever it is she took in high school, French probably. She's like, fuck you guys. Also, uh, they they really don't give the best first impression here. I'm I'm just gonna go out and say it like they finally. First of all, who knows how much they've understood of what they've been saying in the meantime? But like, then their first thing that they're worried about is their weapons, which of mm-hmm. course, like that, it's not like that's they're wrong to be concerned about it, but it's it's not ideal. No, and then I think well, my next note is. Uh, they kind of talk about uh, Teal kind of like reassures oh, we find Teal yeah. we didn't we find Teal that's right we find Teal he pops up from behind a hut somewhere uh-huh. which the like what, what was he doing I think wasn't he like keeping guard over they didn't he didn't know about Shadow no, he, he didn't, didn't know about him I think he was just walking in the forest maybe he was yeah. looking for the Stargate I don't know maybe he was trying to 
locate where they were. Maybe I don't know. They didn't. They didn't say. He just like comes back around and like, oh, he's good. Wandering. Yeah. You, you're awake. <laughs> we found Teal'c. <laughs> uh, and then we discover that. Uh, whoops. They also have a Jaffa in the camp with them. So before they figure out that there is a POW Jaffa, Teal'c kind of reassures Jack that. I, I wrote it down because it made, me, it made my heart kind of hurt for Teal'c. But he was like, I promise you, like, I didn't know that Apophis had oh, this yeah. personal shield. That was new to me. I never would have, like, sent you guys in there if I had known, like, you have to believe me. Like, he's not that emphatic about it because it's Teal'c. Well, it's but, Teal'c and uh, Jack. Yeah. I was just saying. And, and it just really, like, I feel like Teal'c is still kind of, like, thinking he has to prove himself almost. And he's, like, reassuring Jack that, like, this wasn't intentional. I didn't mean to send you guys into harm. I didn't know about it. Yeah. And Jack basically cuts him off and he's like, yeah, no, I know. Like, yeah, it didn't, like it hadn't even occurred to Jack that the Teal had given him incomplete information. <laughs> they're so, I love their friendship. Yeah. No, they're great. Um, and they also, but they also have the exchange of non-information where Jack's like, do you know where we are? No. Do you know where the Stargate is? No. Do you know where Apophis is? No. <laughs> the hard no. <laughs> no, we got nothing. <laughs> But yeah, so then we find out that Shackle is also here still recuperating because I think that Laia says that he resisted their attempts to heal him. Yeah. So he's still resting. Also, isn't uh is this the same scene where she goes like where he where Tilka's standing guard and is like, Oh, I don't wanna um I'm waiting for him to wake up and she's like, He's already awake, what are you talking about? Uh no. It's not in that scene. Next scene. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. It's the, yeah, it's the next time we're with them. Because uh, so then they talk about it. They, they have their conversation with the Knox. And and so much of what happens this is, in this episode is really a miscommunication. Like, I know that we, we talk about how they shouldn't have listened. But it honestly could have been solved if they were like, you saved us. We don't want to leave you vulnerable. They say they don't have any way of defending themselves. All they could have said is, we're not in danger. We have our own ways of protecting ourselves. Like, it does like... But instead, they're just like, we don't, because they asked, he's like, how do you defend yourselves? And he said, we don't. And so they're like, well, then we want to defend you. And if the Nox had just been like, well, we don't need you to defend us. We have our own protection. You don't need to worry about us. Like, they might have still pressed on it, but it's still just like, I I don't know how much of it is like a language cultural barrier, but because both sides are kind of trying to do right by each other. I I think this is just the beginning of... This is one of the four great races who has no business trying to like explain themselves to lesser beings. <laughs> and when they say that we don't defend ourselves, that's it. We don't defend ourselves. Yeah. I almost feel like they almost try to push it too much with trying to defend them. Like, I mean, they got brushed off so many times that you would eventually think, hey, guys, they don't want or need our help. Yeah. Like, why are we still trying to defend them if they don't want our help i mean i get it i get that's what sg1 does they want to help people that, 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 that they think don't have a means to defend themselves you know whatever but i mean they're really adamant about it and i just mm-hmm. don't understand why we just why they didn't just like take the option to go back to the gate right i just feel like they never would have been able to live with themselves though i don't think jack and sam and teal and like daniel would have been able to leave them behind and go back home and be like, well, hope they're still alive. No, I get it. It's definitely in character for SG-1 
to want to stay and defend them. I don't, I don't, I definitely don't have a problem with the way that it plays out because the way that it's portrayed on screen, of course they were going to stay and help. And they, and I mean, I do think it, I think part of the point of the episode is to kind of demonstrate how egocentric their worldview is. Like if you don't have our weapons and our expertise and our knowledge, how could you possibly Mm-hmm. defend yourselves or survive and they kind of learn a little i mean i don't know how well they internalize this lesson but they do learn like <laughs> hey we can't judge people by because you know they they look they're all earthy and their homes are pretty Hippies. primitive looking and so they just assume that they don't have any technology even though these people raised them from the dead right but like to your point that I'm torn between the Knox could have just said, like, look, we can turn shit invisible. Watch. And then, like, that's why we don't have to defend ourselves. We can protect ourselves. I'm torn between that and the Knox are just, like, on such a higher plane of being that they don't consider explaining themselves because they want to teach SG-1 a lesson. Whether inadvertently or intentionally, I think there's an element of, like, that's cute. You think you need to protect us. And, like, we're just not going to say anything because maybe you need to, like, get knocked down a couple pegs. Yeah. Well, I also think that they didn't want to expose that they were the ones doing the invisibility. Yeah. Yeah. Initially, at least. They they just were kind of being cagey about it. So then it cuts to Apophis again. And he's pissed that Teal'c is missing and they can't find him. And that's it. That's all we get from Apophis. Mm-hmm. And then we go back to the Nox camp. And we get, I mean, I don't remember exactly what, what what happened. I feel like this, it kind of gets like blended together, but there's a, um. There's a lot of back and forth from here on out yes. in the episode. It's like the Nox tell SG-1 that their weapons are gone. And I think it's, because just based on my notes here, because I write them chronologically, I think Teal then offers Shackle the chance to join SG-1 and then the next cut is Sam, Daniel, and Jack, and Sam and Dan- and Jack are making weapons. They're making bow and arrows. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that's what happened and then we get uh, this line because because uh, basically Daniel's like, what? We're Now we're just making weapons and we get Yeah. Any weapon's better than no weapon when it comes to survival. You guys just don't want to give up, do you? No happens when you spend half your life in special forces well, somehow i don't think we make very good knocks you're right yep yep <laughs> <laughs> okay can we unpack that a little bit <laughs> just because based on what based on sam saying that's what happens when you spend half your life in special forces so we know jack is in black ops mm-hmm. what special forces was sam on maybe her dad was Ah, I took it to mean that she was on special forces. Well, so I thought she was mostly referring to Jack, but based on what I learned from my Air Force resource, the only way that Sam would be as combat trained as she is, is if she were some kind of special forces. But what kind of special forces would Sam be? The thing is, neither (laughs) of them are sensible special forces, because pilots are not special forces. They're pilots. And yet, and here yet we are. Jack is special forces and Sam is combat trained. So, I don't know. And so, we're going to just have to leave behind a little bit of realism because obviously that doesn't jive. But I just love that this is either another thing that 
Jack and Sam have in common because I personally live for all the moments when the military is like the military aspect is what bonds them together because I think that's whatever. I think it's cool. Oh, or it's that uh, Sam knows this about Jack and she's kind of answering on his behalf. Either way, I'm a happy shipper. Yeah. It's probably more of the latter of what you just said where she just knows more about him. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially after Cole Lazarus, I I mean, I wouldn't say he opened up, but I'm sure that more of a discussion was had. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that would be cool. That makes sense, too, especially if, like, they went and talked afterwards and he was like, listen, I was in Special Forces and this thing happened and then I went to Abydos and, like, they get a little more of a clear picture yeah. of his history history as a team well i also wouldn't be surprised if part of the aftermath of cold lazarus was like hey maybe we ought to get to know each other a little better so that we might Mm -hmm. notice the next time one of us isn't us totally which doesn't totally work but sort of does i guess uh it kind of it works for uh what's the one melanie help me where he says where carter tells oh oh um um mayborn he's an he's an idiot foothold foothold Yes. Oh, okay, that wasn't that one, but that's what I was thinking of. I was thinking of Foothold. Oh, you were talking about when Sam found out about, when Sam thought Jack wasn't... Yeah, and shoots him. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, and they, they definitely do. They get they get better at it. and Because even though they don't know to figure out Joel and R right away, they definitely seemed suspicious initially. Yes. That, but yeah, I think that it's probably more likely that she was just referring to Jack being special forces and sort of answering on his behalf just because we never get any other indication that she was special forces although like i said the fact that she is hand-to-hand trained and is proficient with a rifle the way that she is would indicate that she was special forces but that's never stated about her yeah oh i also sorry in this scene i love it that when jack is saying we need our weapons or there we had weapons that of course he wants their weapons back, but he's also like, they're dangerous. Like, he's so protective of other people around weapons, which yeah. is just, like, so heartbreaking every single time. Well, especially because he says that line to Nefreyu. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's rough. It is. It's rough. Okay, so then our next scene is um, Tilk and Shackle. They're in the hut, and... um. Tilk offers Shackle a chance to join them, mm-hmm. and Shackle is pretending to be injured. Who and then, uh, yeah, yeah, and then Laya comes in, and Shackle basically stabs and kills Laya and stabs Tilk as well. She's not um, dead. Oh, she does die. Sorry. No, yeah, she's dead. Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then uh, Shackle takes off. He's uh, allegedly going back to Apophis, and while that's happening, uh. I'm sorry, I'm, I'll just preface this with I'm following along with the synopsis on the Stargate wiki to kind of help keep our place a little bit because it gets confusing with the cut back and forth. So after he escapes, the Nox begin the healing ceremony to re- revive Laia. And while that's happening, Jack and Nefreyu are in the woods. So there's these like cut scenes. Yeah, it, there's a lot of back and forth in here. We, did, yeah. we blew past a couple of other, a couple Go of other clips. It. But I'm trying to oh. track down... But again, it's really hard to place exactly where they were. Uh, Daniel appeals to the Nox that he would love to, the human race would love to share knowledge from them and learn from them. Yes. So we get this. Friends share knowledge with each other. Yes. 
You have much to learn. <laughs> and I love that. Yeah. Did you happen to, but did you by chance pull a clip where um, the Knox Principal Snyder? I don't know what his name is. <laughs> I call him Principal Snyder because who he is in Buffy. Um, <laughs> did you pull uh, when he said we are slaves to no one? By chance when him and Jack are talking and Jack's trying to protect him. Uh, I can't remember. I think I did. It might be part of. Okay. It, I think it's part of this. I think it's part of this clip that I pulled. I was trying to protect the boy. You protect his body after poisoning his mind. Will you listen to me? The reason the ghouls hunt those flying things is because they want to know how it's able to disappear. If they find out it's you. Our ways have served us for as long as our people have lived. But they didn't know you existed before. Once they know, they'll enslave you. It's what they do. We are slaves to no one. Yeah. Uh, we, so, <laughs> that one. Sorry, okay. Uh, <clears throat> I'll also just say, like, before that, sorry, this is a complicated scene to kind of keep going back and forth on. So, but before that, when Jack is in the woods with the bow and arrow and he's, like, practicing and shit, Nefreyu comes up behind him and is like, why are you mm-hmm. like so determined basically to like fight? And Jack says, I don't know if you pulled this clip or not, Chelsea, but Jack says, I don't want to fight. Like I have to like, and, and Nefreyu doesn't understand like this concept of fighting is not, cause it's not the Knox way. So when, um, what's his face, Atreus or however you say his name says, uh, you know, you poisoned his mind. Yeah. It's just I, the idea that you have to fight. Right. Yes. There's so much jumping around in different scenes. Here. Yeah. It's very hard to keep, well, keep it all straight. And also because Atreus at one point, I'm sorry, am I saying his name right? Is it Atreus? Yeah, Atreus? Antaeus. Antaeus. Thank you. Antaeus. So when there's like a point when Antaeus like is almost astral projecting, it feels like, because he's having a conversation with Daniel and then he's immediately having a conversation with Jack and then he's back with Daniel. I think Daniel was talking to Oprah. Yeah, he's talking to somebody else. Yeah, the oh. older guy. Shit, yeah, but I'm wrong. Never mind. Then there's no actual projection. Look, they do look a lot alike. <laughs> they do look alike. I'll give you that. Because <laughs> I also really liked Oprah then saying when Daniel asks him how old he is, the question before he answers is how do you mark time, mm-hmm. which I thought was like such a smart, like from a sci-fi writing perspective, so fucking smart. Because of course time is going to be different here, like. It's a different planet. It's a different culture. Time isn't universal mm-hmm. in the sense of the way it's be, it's it gets marked and documented. And I thought that was like really really cool. Yeah. No, there. I mean, there are universal measures of time, but people don't use them normally. It's like decay rate of atoms or something. Oh well, I'm decay. I'm ten decayed <laughs> atoms old. Like <laughs> that's different. That's not what I. That's not what I. No, meant, no, no. Obviously. What you meant is exactly right because people. How do you mark time? Like that's the right. relevant information. Is right. I just found it fascinating that when Daniel told him how he marked time, that he was able to like immediately come up with like three three hundred or three hundred years or however. Mm-hmm old he was yeah well they're one of the races you know like you're super smart i guess you don't get to be one of those fancy schmancy races without <laughs> something behind it yep also are we gonna talk about how hot jack looks with a bow and arrow or we just assume it has implied concerned with how quickly he was able to make a bow and arrow that actually had any That's... any he's special fortunes okay just yeah just calm down chelsea he got it it's fun <laughs> He did it like 10 times in the desert. It's fine. Out of a cactus and <laughs> but, a camel's intestine. But to make a functional bow, 
it has to be really sturdy and usually they have to be cured into the correct shape and it has to have a lot of draw weight when you string a bow it is like oh i know did you not hear me i said he did it in the desert with a, cactus with a box and of scraps and a yes and with his middle clip. name is macgyver so so he makes a bow and some arrows do not forget his pocket knife okay he he used the pocket knife <laughs> It's yeah. army knife. You gotta remember he, that. He whittled the cactus down. He got it. We're good. I'm just saying that the draw weight on that bow cannot be high enough for him to do any damage with it. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna ignore that and just look I at mean, how it doesn't hot matter because he, he doesn't do any damage with the bow. So. <laughs> well, he missed your disbelief, Chelsea. Okay. <laughs> uh, there, I did pull one other clip from this section because I, I love when Teal'c just says his concise, awesome things. What was okay? So, was so the setup for that is that when he's talking about how if he can't if he can't figure out how to be invisible if he can't take the invisibility from them oh then Apophis. He'll, yeah it, Apophis will destroy the planet and so then he says what he cannot possess he destroys mm, yeah that's fair yeah which is so like so true about Apophis can I rewind for like two seconds oh yeah we're all so, in place <laughs> so the clip that you played originally where um. Antaeus. Antaeus. Yes. Antaeus. Um was saying that uh Jack was like poisoning his mind or whatever, and how Jack was basically saying, like, I'm doing my best to protect you guys. Mm-hmm. I feel like that this is like the crutch, like you were saying, the crutch of the episode. And I find these kinds of episodes so fucking frustrating because you see both sides and it feels so futile and like pointless to argue either side because there's merit to both sides. And like to Jack's point, you fight when you have to, and to Knox Homeboy's point, like you don't fight if you don't have to. Right. Um, yeah. And I feel like this is also why I oftentimes struggle and am frustrated with the Jack and Daniel relationship. It's a lot of the same kind of dynamics, and I find it just to be essentially a fruitless conversation. Yeah. Well, it's real easy for the Knox to be like, well, we don't, you don't have to fight. Well, yeah, you can turn yourselves invisible. So you don't right. have to fight. Right, right. Some of us can't well, do that I mean, and we got to fight. Well, hang on though. To, to be fair though, when, when, when they first, when they first, you know, come back to life or whatever and they go and talk to the Knox and they're like, hey, you know, there's this big bad guy out in the middle of the woods, you know, blah, blah. And then the Knox were like, well, but you're the ones who attacked him. Yep. Like, he was just yeah. walking around in the woods, and y'all were like, well, we're going to attack him. So immediately, you know, the Nox are probably on the defensive, like, hey, these people are just randomly attacking people. Yeah. But then and that's so not cool. But then the SG-1 have to go on the defensive and be like, you don't know the backstory. Yeah. Like, you don't understand. Yeah. I just felt so frustrated the whole episode, especially because I feel like the Nox at certain points try and paint SG-1 or Jack and, like, a dick light and it's just like no you don't understand don't you try and make jack feel bad for trying to like protect y'all it's very fresh but they don't need protection jess yeah, yeah well he doesn't know that melody <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know but i just yeah but i mean it's it's completely fruitless yeah it is it, it is it is it is it is you can go around in circles all day on this mm-hmm. one uh, okay, so now we're back to the hut. Now we're back with Tilk and Jackal. And Jackal breaking free and stabbing yeah. Laya. And I know this because my note says, Shackle's leaf punch as he runs away is so fucking extra. <laughs> I know! 
what? It was like, why did he do that? <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you're not 100% sure what we're talking about, when Shackle runs out of the Knox camp and out through these leaves, he runs by this bush and just knocks the shit out of this bush for like no apparent reason. And I was like, all right, buddy, got some, some aggression there. There was part of me that I was thinking maybe he thought they could like turn their knew he knew they could turn their huts invisible or turn themselves invisible. And so he was like marking the location by like smacking but it really didn't seem like that, and they never, they didn't, they didn't revisit it. Like if that's what he was doing, they weren't like he comes back and he's like, yeah, here's the bush that I beat the crap out of earlier. Well, like he almost doesn't he like double back before he actually gets to Apophis, and then that's when he witnesses the Nox doing their little healing. Yeah, because, because that's when they can't be invisible anymore. That's when right. they're healing. Yeah, right. Yeah, so he turn he does he doubles back and watches them doing the healing ceremony and sees that they become visible. Which, like, hey, Shackle, way to take initiative. And, like, you could have run straight back to Apophis, but you didn't. You turned around, you went and got some some intel. That's going to be prime, you know, promotion material. But hang on, though. Then my question is, does he mark the area that he's in? Because, I mean, when he comes back, it's not like it's going to be in the middle of the open again. You're wandering around in the fucking forest, for Christ's sake. Like, I mean... Smack that, you're gonna go... smack that bush. Yeah, maybe it was the bush. <laughs> so they heal, they heal Laia. And then they're telling them they gotta get on their way and go. And... Then Nefreyu is missing. Yes. Which Jack tells Nefreyu to scoot. And I just want everyone to know I find that absolutely adorable. <laughs> Nefreyu wants to tag along and like see what Jack's up to. And he says, go on home, scoot. And I think it's really cute. It is. It's really cute. So then we get the first reference to this line. I told you the same. The very young... Do not always do what they are told. It's a good line. That's one of my favorite lines out of this like whole series. Yeah. I just think it's great. Yeah. Because I mean, they're still young to traveling to different planets and different places, and they don't, you know. I mean, in the, at the end of the episode, we'll, we'll figure out that they because they didn't listen to the Nox, they were they're going to miss out on all the opportunities they could have learned from the Nox. Mm-hmm. Let's be real, the Nox weren't ever going to teach them. <laughs> I mean, Chelsea, shh. Well, also, it's not like, it's not just that SG-1 is young to traveling. It's that the Tari as a whole are, like, young. Like, yeah. they have been in, we've been in our own little bubble, at, like, independent of the galaxy. And, like, now we're kind of, it's kind of like a little Star trek Like, we're kind of, like, heading out into the, new the world. Exactly. New frontier. There you go. Yes. <laughs> That's the Look, word you're looking I'm, for. <laughs> I'm not a Trekkie. It's not my thing. I've seen almost no episodes and all the so I, whatever. I'm trying. I'm trying. We have ships. Yeah. Yeah. To I've watch seen, your shit. I've seen your ships. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's my understanding that there's absolutely no payoff for, for exactly. Star Trek ships. <laughs> There's no payoff for Stargate ships either, so... You shut your own mouth. <laughs> also, speaking of Star Trek, isn't What's-His-Face in Deep Space Nine? Didn't I read that somewhere? Who's What's-His-Face? There are lots of people There's in like, Deep Space Yeah, you had to, yeah. Who, who sorry. is What's-His-Face? So I may be mispronouncing his name. I'm really sorry. Armin Shimmer, Shimmerman or Shimerman, oh, who yeah. plays Antius. Yeah. 
is Quark in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Yes, Antaeus is in Deep Space Nine. Is that Principal Snyder? Yes. <laughs> okay, thank you. Let's play a drinking game called Take a Shot Every Time Jess Mispronounces Knox's Homeboy's <laughs> First Name. <laughs> Spoiler, you're all dead from alcohol poisoning. At least you knew it. I just call him Principal Snyder. <laughs> Okay, yes, yeah, so Nefreyu goes missing, uh, the Nox are super pissed, and they're basically like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, well, and- Go the fuck home. Nefreyu <laughs> decides that he's gonna go get to know Apophis and the Global better, because that's what the conflict must be stemming from, is that they don't know each other better, and then he gets dead. Which, I realize that Apophis isn't always, like, the most forward-thinking dude, but you'd think that he would at least maybe grab the kid and, and like, I don't know. It seems like there's maybe something he could have gained. But no, they just kill him. Yeah, so uh, the Stargate Wiki says that after Apophis finds Nefreyu, they kill him. Um, and then the search party finds Nefreyu's body and takes him back to the camp to begin the healing ceremony. And the SG once offered to defend the Nox from the Goa'ul during the ceremony falls on deaf ears, and the Nox say there'll be no more killing, and SG one must return home. Yes, and then we get them trying to start, you know, ignoring the Nox and deciding to set up some defenses. Yes. So we get we get this moment when they're deciding how they're going to defeat the Goa'ul in this. So Shackle thinks we're unarmed. Apophis thinks he's invulnerable. And they're right. <laughs> no, play the rest of the clip. Play I the rest of the I clip. The rest of the clip. I don't know. Because the rest of it is, is like, Jack being a fucking badass and being like, "Didn't you guys see?" Oh yeah, no, it's no, I Jack. have that clip. Okay, yeah, I have that. That's clip. the rest of the clip. Yep. <laughs> Mel and I are like, <laughs> I didn't want. Did you see what happened when one of his guards tossed him a staff weapon? Passed right through. So you're guessing that the shield's deflection capability is directly proportional to the amount of kinetic energy being directed at it? Yeah. So you're saying that an arrow or dart being much slower in velocity than, say, a bullet... Just might make it through. It's a big gamble, sir. Yeah. <laughs> you ready? I so, love that. So I love how Sam has to, like, make it super extra more complicated than what Jack said. <laughs> And then Daniel does it too. They both say, so you're saying this? Yeah. So you're saying this? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah I just uh, love how excited Sam anytime that she gets to science. Because she's like, oh, oh, I know what you're saying. And then has to like do it all. Which I love. I actually love that they have her do that explanation. Because it is somewhat sensible to, to, to say that the shield reacts based on the kinetic energy that is applied to it like that's uh, that's sure. pretty cool yeah but all the fucking credit to one jack o'neill for in the heat of battle recognizing remembering observing that this one thing happened this anomaly then dies gets brought back to life and like a day later remembers it bra fucking vote and that is why he is in charge i mean it's it incredible. was the staff that killed him yeah yeah no so no. no. I'm still giving him all the credit. Yeah, no, it was an it was an astute thing for him to observe for sure. That's going to come back into play quite a few times later in the series. Yes, Jack Jack didn't get to where he is just based on his good looks. 
Although, if he did, I would completely understand. <laughs> um, yeah. Wait, so do, did we miss the... We missed the... Um, does this feel like a trap to you, Captain? Yes, sir. Which yes. is not really that important other than I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Other than Jess wants to bring it up because it's another military aspect that Sam what? and Jack have. What? <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, so then the fight happens. They're healing yep. for you in the background and the girl will show up and Sam and Jack and Teal like pop up out of the ground. Well, it's Sam and Teal mostly that like Teal comes out and like whacks him with the with a log, and Sam pops out of the leaves and knocks one of them down. And Sam almost gets killed again. And Daniel, Daniel saves her. her. I know, I know. I wrote oh, that man. down. I was like, I said, you got bested, Sam. But Daniel had to save you. I said Daniel saved Sam. He must get some points for that. He gets some. He gets. Some. He gets some. Some. Um, okay. He saved her life. <laughs> I mean, the Knox would have just brought her back if she Exactly, it would have been fine. So, when when the Jaffa are all running in the forest, this is this is like a costume error or something that I had noticed or whatever. They all have gold tattoos. Yeah. Aren't the gold tattoos are for first primes? Yes. Yeah, we don't know for sure that there's only one first prime. It could be the personal guard. That all. Yeah. There's. There's. A oh, okay. That can make sense. A note in the Stargate wiki that says all the Pophis' escorts have the gold markings of a first prime, but this could be due to them being his serpent or royal guard. Okay. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. I was just, that's something I noticed and I was like, mm-hmm. yeah. I thought there was only one of those. Well, but, and okay. earlier they, like, they they hadn't, I don't think, totally decided what that meant. And I also think it's partly a function of doing the gold one is harder than doing the black ones. And so when yeah. they were doing more and more Jaffa, they defied it, decided to distinguish between the gold ones and the normal tattoos. It's yeah, kind it of just... like when you say that there's that gun, when you shoot once stuns and twice kills, and then you forget you say that, and then you just shoot everybody <laughs> all the time. <laughs> it's kind of like that. Okay, so we can cut this because it doesn't have anything to do with this episode, but What's the reset on the Zat gun? Like, so you get you shot mean? twice. When can you get shot again without disappearing? Or like, if you get shot once, <laughs> when can you get shot again without dying? Because Who they've knows? all been shot more than <laughs> once. Yes. Like, what's I, what's the what's the refractory period on the Zat gun? <laughs> what's the refresh rate? I think, I think they just pretended like that never got said, and you can be shot as many times as you want, except for when it's really important that these bodies disappear, and then it is important. Or except okay. when Sam has an entity in her brain, and then you have to shoot yes. and kill her, and it's terrible. Yes. Exactly. Oh, God. So, so this is this is adding on to this and you can cut this as well but there's an interview out there and I can't remember if it's uh it's Shanks. Shanks. Is it Shanks? Shanks. Yes. I'm so glad you're talking about it. <laughs> Have you seen it Chelsea? Yeah the one where he talks about how like you like it's like a penis. It's like a penis yeah. <laughs> yes. And okay. how you didn't that sometimes they wouldn't add in effects and so there's that scene where Corin Nemec is like firing the zat and nothing is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> I just love how much Shanks hated that gun. And I'm <laughs> like, it's like a giant dick. <laughs> I do not blame him. It's a, it was a dumb, it was a dumb thing. Uh, 
yeah not their finest hour no. my biggest problem is that sam uses it often like after like we figure out its capabilities she starts yeah. using that more often and i'm like but why like she has that as a sidearm instead of like a pistol yeah. right yeah but, then, but she just takes checks it's fine yes. yeah it's fine guys six, it's fine uh, i can't wait <laughs> Not just um, season six and season eight. No, I'm sorry. Season, season eight. eight. It's like eight. 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 Season six, However, I think, she is does when they cock the gun. gun together. Yeah. She, she does yes. cock his gun in season two. Yeah, she does. <laughs> oh, yeah. She cocked his gun. Well, we'll get there. <laughs> no, I'll be there. It's there. <laughs> you best believe I'm going to be saying that when that happens, too. <laughs> just I guess we'll, we'll see where, where the length of this There's episode been... is if all of this is getting cut. <laughs> this is not about this episode at all. <laughs> okay, back to the episode. Yes. We okay. So then I didn't write that much about the fight other than Daniel saying I no. just I just got uh, Apophis says I will kill you and then Jack sarcastically goes again. <laughs> <laughs> Jack's blase attitude about his about not being dead anymore is something I love. <laughs> or like Jack's attitude about dying is just like, sir, I need you to please have more value in your life. You're killing me. We've had this discussion, Jess. I know it hurts. I feel like um, Jack basically has the uh, attitude of a Monty Python character. I got better. Yes, yes, very much so. <laughs> Uh, so there's the little quip. Jack gets the drop on Apophis, and he's about to like finish the job, and the knocks make him disappear. And Jack is so fucking pissed yeah. off that the knocks made Apophis go because they had just like basically won the battle, about to finish it off, and he is like vis- visibly and viscerally upset. Mm-hmm. I mean, but to be fair, this like it could have ended. Like right there. Oh, great! Like, it could have ended. Yeah, yeah. And it didn't because the Knox were like, nah. It, it wouldn't even have necessarily been a kill shot. For all we know, it could have been like because Jack wanted to interrogate. What like, should I mean? Yeah, right. Because the whole episode, he was like, I just want to bring him home. He he could have taken him back to to the Stargate, but again, like then there's no more Apophis. There's, I mean, you interrogate him, you find out where Shari and Scar are. Defeat the rest of his gold, boom, done. Yeah. Yep. So fine for story purposes, this is, makes sense. But man, is it frustrating? Yeah. Fucking feel, ox. Feel Jack's pain in that moment. I feel like I should clarify. I feel like my cat is gonna over here, and I'm like, oh, fucking knocks. It's just gonna be like, what the fuck did I do to you? <laughs> she seems so fine. Okay. She's just sleeping. Uh, yeah. So then the knocks take them back to the Stargate. Yes. And they have a conversation about sort of what's gone down. And I love this. I love this line. It is our way that the strong defend the weak. Yeah, me too. Because I, well, and I think, I think it at least helps put in perspective for the knock that it is like, these aren't just people who want to go out looking for a fight. They are it's it is their way and sg1 really does exemplify this i know that like it's not true of all of military or the u.s military even all the sg teams but sg1 it is their it is their way that the strong defend the weak and that's what they do they're earth's mightiest heroes they are they're the avengers (laughs) 
<laughs> Let me have it. And then Anteus tells him that their way is not the only way. That is, but then he like reveals the city to them. <laughs> the cloud yes. the cloud city. And and they're all like, Well <laughs> we you know, if we'd known that <laughs> Yes, things would have been much different. You couldn't have shown that to me yesterday. Yeah. And then uh, I like that they, SG-1 as a whole, kind of like look at that city and look back at the Knox and the Stargate. And it's Jack who is like, did you have the clip? Yeah. Go for it. They looked so helpless. And now they're going to bury the Stargate and we can never come back. We should have listened. Very young do not always do as they're told. A little something that Knox told me one time. <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah, I I love it too. I love that. Well, and I I think it's that they are kind of like this is a lost opportunity for them. These are people maybe we could have befriended, and yeah, we should have listened. Like now we can't come back here. And uh, but I love that Jack is kind of at peace with it and sort of understanding like we weren't ready. We're not. We're not. We're not ready for this. But I also love that he's still just kind of goofy about it. Like, just something a Knox told me once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As if that wasn't, like, four hours ago. <laughs> Look, you got to give credit where credit's due. You know, you don't want to be accused of copyright theft. <laughs> <laughs> and then that is the episode. Yep. Who wants to rank first? I ranked first last week, so it's not my job. Chels? Sure, I can go first. I would give this episode a six out of seven chevrons. I think I like it like the same amount as I like Cold Lazarus. I like that it's sort of setting the groundwork for some more things. I love that this is these are people that we'll get to see again eventually. I love the music. I love the design of the Nox. The only knock I have on it is that it's frustrating, and I, I actually think that's part of the episode. Like I think it's meant to be kind of frustrating, but I don't like being frustrated, so... Uh, and that it is a little confusing with all the back and forth, and I don't think that your confusion on Antaeus versus Oper when those scenes were happening is misplaced. Like, it does get a little confusing there in the middle. But overall, I think it's a great story. I think it establishes some interesting dynamics in the team. Uh, we're really seeing the team come together. I think it reminds us of the stakes of what we're really doing in terms of what the goal is of the Stargate program and that Apophis is still out there. So overall, just a really stellar episode. And I, it's not one that I rewatch a lot, but it is, it is one that I do enjoy. Uh, I also give it six out of seven. I was going to give it seven out of seven. And then I remembered like, like you said, how frustrated I am and how I typically don't like these general like these types of story dynamics I I find it a little tedious to watch but for all the reasons that you said teamwork uh a lot of Sam Jack moments for me which is important for my ranking uh as a hardcore chipper uh those are both huge reasons for me to give it a six out of a seven even though I want to give it a seven out of seven but I'm going to be rational and give it a six out of seven I think I also I'm going to jump on the boat with you guys and do a six out of seven as well because again, for all basically, y'all said all the reasons. 
I thought you were going to give it a 7 out of 7, which is why I wanted to let you have it last. No, no, I had 7, and then as we were discussing it, actually, I realized, because, like, we kept talking in circles as we were talking about the episode, and then I was like, <laughs> the episode was going in circles, and I was yeah. getting frustrated, kind of, with our conversation, because we kept going in circles. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, so I'm going to give it 6 out of 7 for the frustrating aspect of it, but I did really enjoy the rest of it. It just falls apart in that one scene where they're like wandering in the woods and there's like the Jack Nefreyu, then the Jack Antius or Antaeus, and then Daniel Oper and then Teal'c and Shackle. There's that one little section in the middle where I kind of just- Like everyone's doing something different. Yes, my brain falls apart about like what actually, like the chronological order of things. Yeah. I also really, I don't- I don't remember this as much from later episodes, so I think they must kind of figure it out. I just, they really need to figure out other ways to remind us the bad guys in the episode or just trust that we remember instead of giving us random establishing cutaways that break up the flow of the rest of the episode just to be like, oh yeah, Apophis is still here. Like either trust the audience to that we, we know, we didn't forget that he was there or make an actual scene out of it. Yeah, I do feel like the show gets more linear in its storytelling. It's less of these parallel threads. It's definitely more of like the team moving through the narrative as one. Like once we get past a certain point, but these early episodes are so rough in terms of like style and storytelling structure. Like you said, I I think they just don't trust that we remember. Yeah, I want to say that it's probably like probably late season one ish is when we yeah. So, do we have air nominations medal? for the Air Medal Award? Can I just pick Nefreyu because he's cute? He didn't really do much, but he's just really fucking cute. <laughs> he got killed by Apophis. Yeah, but he's really cute. I, I always, always immediately love aliens that immediately love Carter. Like, yes. <laughs> it shows good judgment. <laughs> Although I don't like Nareem, so he keeps me out. We, but. we can get there. We can get there for sure. But I like Nareem. <laughs> <laughs> I like Nareem too, only because I trust everybody who's got the hots for Carter. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, guys. I know <laughs> this is really, this, we're gonna get there. I know he was cool in season one. Yeah. Oh, but then Later. we went to his planet. And he and had her, her voice. voice? Oh, come no, on. Like, I you, the fuck like, out. you two wouldn't you, do Mel. the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, Amanda uh, Tapping's voice would not be the voice of your home smart house system. <laughs> okay. First of all, your friend. She, no, she would have Richard Dean Anderson if we're going to get this that correct. That is 100% correct. <laughs> you would have Amanda Tapping. But Mel would have Amanda Tapping. That's different. <laughs> <laughs> Because the only reason, the only way we would get Artie Air AT is because they consented to have their voice recorded and used for some home system. Nareem did some weird fucking shit to have Carter's voice be his home system. I mean, we don't know exactly what he did, um, but he he <laughs> she was freaked out. Was okay, so I don't blame her for being freaked out but no what i'm saying is that i think his obsession with her goes beyond just like being attracted to her she was his guardian angel like she shaped she saved his life we we can get there i agree you guys he's 
all everyone who fall who like legit falls in love with her is creepy. Like they're all at least borderline creepy at some point. Except that for thank you. <laughs> except for Chelsea's like wait. Um, except for Jack, but um, no, I but I agree. I I baseline agree because legit everyone else all of the other aliens who like i said i like them i always feel a kinship with them because <laughs> same uh-huh but that doesn't mean they're not creeps because they're pretty much yeah. all creeps that's fair so yeah i have but mine to... isn't so i think he should get the no. air medal award okay because so he loves Carter and he's not a creep <laughs> yes and he's so... adorable so Nefray, you get the air medal award. Okay, great. Good job, team. Um, our next episode is Brief Candle. Chelsea, is John joining us for Brief Candle? Yes, my husband will be joining us to talk about Brief Candle, or as he likes to call it, the episode where Jack bangs an infant. <laughs> Not quite as catchy of a title as Brief Candle, but we can discuss that next week. Um... Yes. So, uh, if you love this episode, if you hate this episode, if you want to talk about more phrasing uh, opportunities <laughs> here, uh, you can email us at chevronslock7 at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at chevronslock7. And you can find me, Jess, on Twitter at Prof Tenant or on Tumblr at Professor Tenant. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Melanie Martian. M-A-R-S-H-A-N. Or you can find me on Tumblr at my stupid dumb fly boy. Yes. And you can find me on Twitter at Cahils or on Tumblr at Pianosa2 to the Fighting Eighth. And please do feel free to reach out to us. We have gotten a couple of emails and we are gonna be doing a little mini episode just discussing them a little bit because we didn't want to take up the time that because we already we already like to talk about the episodes a lot so we know that we're going to want to talk a lot a little bit or a medium amount about what you guys have been emailing us so we'll be doing a mini episode about that so feel free to keep sending us stuff we'll try we'll try and either respond to your emails or respond in the podcast so uh keep them coming and then we can close the iris and we'll see y'all next week Maybe one day you will learn that your way is not the only way. You can find me at, um... Melanie, no, shit, fuck. Um, <laughs> you can. <laughs> <laughs> the easiest part. <laughs> 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 <laughs>